0: Everyone, and welcome to another Scots Sway podcast. And today I'm joined by Elle Nash, uh, who is over for her event at the Edinburgh Book Festival. Hello, Elle.
1: Hi, thanks for having me.
0: And um, we're going to talk primarily about your novel Animals Eat Each Other, which mm-hmm. came out um, published earlier this year on at 404 Inc. Um, but you've just arrived, you're <laughs> only here for a brief Time, how are you enjoying Edinburgh so far?
1: Um, I'm loving it so far. I really never want to (laughs) leave. But I have
0: to. (laughs) Um, Well, we'll talk about uh, festivals and events a a little bit later. But first of all, can you tell us a bit about Animals Eat Each Other?
1: Sure. Um, It is a short novel which follows... The summer of a young girl who has just graduated high school, uh, she's working at um, a radio shack, which is like a small little retail electronics store, and she meets this couple with a kid who they say they, like, find her interesting. So um, she basically just starts to date them in this relationship, and... um, it all goes terribly wrong. <laughs> so it's kind of just like her experience of that.
0: It's uh, I'm fascinated about many things. I think it's a terrific novel, and the way it's uh, really to the point. I mean, it gets straight in there, doesn't it? The first sentence kind of knocks you sideways. It's like, I won't spoil it for anyone, but it's a kind of sets the tone brilliantly for what's mm-hmm. going to happen. Um, why was this a novel that you wanted to, to write?
1: Um, I really wanted to explore the story of a bisexual character without having her bisexuality be the thing that was like her coming of age. Like when I read a lot of stories about, uh, you know, young people coming to terms with their sexuality, it is more like you know, I'm just learning this about myself. Um, And they are kind of exploring that. But for my character, I wanted her to already know, like this is just something she knew about herself. I didn't want it to be like tokenized. Yeah,
0: sure.
1: Um, And I also, I just think that the idea of, I guess polyamory is very interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, In the book, you have the main character who is a woman has this relationship with... Um, the girlfriend who is the woman and then the boyfriend who is a man. And there are these different um, sort of power structures that play out in that whole relationship. And then you even have like the primary relationship between the girlfriend and the boyfriend Mm -hmm. too. So there's just these different ways in which people interact with each other um, that I really wanted to explore, just those interpersonal relationships.
0: Because I kind of thought about it as... It's almost like... um a family that they, they haven't had before and so then they create their own family and the power and the struggles that change within any kind of family structure mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but with this one um there's a lot of the themes um you've got sex violence obsession um self-image the idea of self-worth um I, some people have referred to it as a kind of erotic mm-hmm. novel um for me it's a kind of it's more about the psychology of all those things I just mentioned. Is that mm-hmm. something that you wanted to kind of get across and look into?
1: Yeah, I really wanted to explore the psychology of it. Um, I think when I was writing it, I don't think I purposefully set out to write an erotic novel. It was just what I happened to focus on. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, I think that sex is a driving force, like of human nature, of course. But what makes humans sort of actually kind of different from animals even though we are animals is that we can think
2: yeah.
1: about the sex that we have so um it really to me is more like a psychological novel yeah
0: because I think when I was coming through in the train today I was writing down a few notes and one of the things I thought was about the terrible insistence of thought which came into my mind that you know you, that you almost can't turn it off and what um central character who's names herself as Lilith. Mm. Um she at times almost tries to escape her own thought or there's too much thought or she's overthinking. Um I mean was that was that something that um you wanted to explore as well that animal if humans are animals that can think sometimes that's a curse as well as a kind of blessing. If it is a blessing at all.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean I think that's what makes obsession itself so interesting. Is it's it's a it's rumination. Um, it can be almost inescapable. Like it's almost like a compulsion, um, and so yeah. I mean, I definitely did want to explore that.
0: Then the nature of uh, a obsession, um, you suppose you could say, it's almost like addiction, and often doesn't follow any um, logic. And Lilith's desires, if you like, drive her. It's not just her desires though, is it? I mean, it's our um, desire to get lost. There's lots of different desires. I guess that's the thing. It's not just a desire um, to be with a, a couple, but it's a desire to kind of escape in some way.
1: Yeah, I mean, so, like, if you think about how Buddhists say that, like, the root of all suffering is craving... Um, it makes sense that she is working to escape. Like, desire is literally just the want to be in a different situation than the one that you're currently in, you know? Um, And so, yeah, I mean, through that, she, Lilith, uses drugs to try to escape, but then she also uses these people as a way to try and escape herself, too, in a way. Yeah. 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 Like, she's using the experience of them to almost kind of, like, forget about herself because she even, like, is renamed through the whole process. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And it's not really a search for happiness because it feels to me that she maybe believes that that's impossible to achieve. It's a search for an otherness or something else, for herself to be something else. Or is that wrong? Do you think there is this hope that there'll be a happiness at the end?
1: Um, No, I think you're right about that. I think She's probably just searching for a sense of, like, validation. I think that's... I mean, I think everybody wants to be validated at some point. And the character even says that, too, where it's like everyone does want to be validated, and it just kind of depends on where you go to find that. Like, some people use social media way too much. Mm -hmm. Some people start podcasts. Some people write novels. (laughs) You know, so we all do things in a sense where we're looking like, these are all extensions of ourselves. And basically what we're doing, it's an extension of the ego. And so what we're doing is we're like putting out these little blips of our ego and going like, Validate me, validate me. But it's, I mean, it's a very base thing. Obviously, there are bigger goals that we have outside of that that are cerebral. Like, we want to share, we want to connect. But, like, that's part of what validation is. It's, you know, it's trying to connect with another brain, Mm -hmm. you know, and that says, like, it's like, look at me. And then the brain is like, I see you. So it's validation from
0: others, but also looking for some kind of validation from yourself as well. So, as I say, she names herself Lilith. Now, if I'm right, you never get her other name, do you? At all, do you? Right, she's the unnamed. She's the unnamed. Mm-hmm. Um, if my very very old Bible studies are correct, mm-hmm. Lilith was Adam's first wife. Yeah. Is that Right. So was that was the thought behind the name mm-hmm. that you used there?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think in like a microcosmic way, since Lilith is the first wife, and that's how she's named. Um, I think I was explaining this a couple of days ago, where so from from when I was growing up in Christian mythos, nobody ever talked about Lilith. It was yeah. kind of like it's not even a part of it. I think it's actually uh considered more like Jewish mythos right. rather yeah. than Christian mythos. Um and so in one way it's kind of this like she could be pushed to the side, you know, as like this metaphor, which she is in a way. Um, And another light, you have Adam and Eve, which is like Matt and Frankie, who are the boyfriend and girlfriend. And then you have Lilith, who might consider herself like the first woman um, who was made from the same dust as Adam. Mm -hmm. She wasn't made from his rib the way Eve was. And so even there's a different power structure that exists between those three people. Um, and the myth is that Lilith was the one that was cast from the garden because she didn't want to submit and all that kind of stuff. Um, so when you kind of take all of that together, you see Adam and Eve and Adam and Lilith, and you could even say like, so who was the first wife? Like, was it Eve or was it Lilith? Well, it kind of depends on who you are and Mm -hmm. how you're looking at it, you know? And I really wanted the novel to be reflective of that. Like how you read it, I, I want it to reflect Mostly like like who you are as a reader when you're reading
0: it does that yeah. Make sense? yeah, yeah, it does make sense. you thinking about it it's almost as though um, adam and, uh, and, and Eve with the two sons of the the nuclear family, the kind of ideal that has come to uh, be prevalent instead of this earlier more. E- equal you know created from equal equality Mm i mean so i'm fascinated by that that proves to me that you've thought carefully about these things and it seems to me that right through the language that you've used which you know the, the writing is um often short sentences to the point but packed full of meaning um was there a lot of editing went on with the book or was that just the way you write
1: no, I wish that was the way from the beginning. <laughs> now there is a lot of editing. Um, I, it took me a couple of years to get Got to it. a really solid draft, um, <clears throat> and I read the book aloud to myself a lot, which I think really helps. It's a process I always seem to forget about, but I think it's like one of the most important. That's
0: interesting.
1: Um, but yeah, there's a lot of editing. I think every time I go through a draft, it's like you're just kind of like taking a fine detail brush and trying to paint out specific details. Like every time you go
0: through it. Um, what struck me as I was reading it was the, the, the double meaning of many words. I was thinking um, tenderness and tenderness. So you've got this, you know, um, emotional tenderness, but then there's often literal tenderness. You know, people are being beaten here, you know, um, in, in various ways. And consummation and consumption, you know, there's there's this idea that, there's something, again, it's called animals eat each other, and there is something consumptive about um, what these relationships are. You're devouring each other in some ways, mm-hmm. in that sense, which I, mean, I guess they're not negative. In, it, it, as you see things go wrong, mm-hmm. but there is a sense that these people need each other. Mm-hmm. And is that something that you mm-hmm. wanted to explore, that often we end up in relationships which are destructive and people may say to us they're destructive but there's some sense that we need this and perhaps we need in some ways the destruction as well to go through that relationship.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you're young you have a lot of room to sort of make mistakes and figure out who you are and what you're trying you're trying to like iron out sort of things your parents taught you because your parents are like kind of your first model for how to have relationships and sometimes they're not the healthiest Mm -hmm. so, you know, you meet other people And then you come up against each other and then you work those things out. And then the hope is that you learn your lesson and then you become better for the next relationship, you know. Um, Like, when I look back on even my own past relationships, all of those things did make me into, like, a better, a person who's more capable of being in a healthier relationship. Once I reflected on them and and then sort of pushed myself towards changing, you know. So, yeah, I mean, I would say in the book specifically, I think that they they do kind of need each other. They're sort of they're learning about each other. And even like Lilith herself sort of acts as this mirror. She amplifies everything that's wrong in uh, Matt and Frankie's relationship, too. So the hope is that like even they can become better to each other. Perhaps, maybe, yeah. you know, which we don't know because we don't have that perspective. But
0: yeah. But can you say a little bit more about Matt and Frankie? Because they are, um, although a this is Lilith's story, they're really important parts of it. hmm And just, just explain who they are and. Oh yeah, sorry important. about that. Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, well, they are just this, this couple, they have a young child, so they were teenage parents, so they kind of have all the struggles that come with that, um, they're all sort of more working class people, um, like, Frankie had dropped out of school because of the baby and was working towards getting her GED, um, Matt is, like, a working to kind of try and keep everything together, you know. So they have, like, even their own struggles. And it's almost like they maybe they see Lilith as, like, even just an escape from that, too. Yeah. From, like, sort of a lot of the struggles of being a parent. Like, once you become a parent, you really have to grow up. And you really have to face it. You don't have a choice. Like, the child is going to grow whether you participate or not. And so um, for them, maybe participating with Lilith is this way of them trying to re-engage with like themselves and their youth before they were parents and that sort of thing yeah before they were dealing with that sort of stress
0: absolutely because these they kind of used Lilith um not only uh, in uh, sexually but also uh, as a babysitter and you know introducing this stranger if you like into that family is such a um, perhaps unusual thing to do but I guess that's right it's it, it's um Trying to capture, perhaps when they met and when they were, they saw themselves as being wild, and that idea of, of refusing to grow up, which I think is is increasingly kind of prevalent, and mm. things like that. Um, there's also this need to we touched upon it a little bit um, it, to to dull the senses, and I wondered if that was to do increasingly with the bombardment of and um, just ideas and information that we increasingly get? Is that something that um, is in the book? Um,
1: Well, so the book takes place in the early 2000s, sort of before, like, social media was a ubiquitous. But, I mean, it was on the rise at that time. Um, But at the same time, humans have been trying to dull their senses since we invented, like, alcohol, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So, I mean... Like, life is just, I mean, it's hard. It's a struggle. And I just think, I mean, it's a universal theme, you know. People are always going to want to do drugs and party,
0: probably. There's this (laughs) um, kind of balance, though, between dulling the senses and heightening the senses as well. You know, I think perhaps that balance is, is, you know, that almost uh, unattainable balance is what, you know, um, certainly uh, Lilith seems to be looking for. It's not just, I'm going to... forget everything, you know, tune in and drop out and forget about it. There's also this desire to feel as well, even if that feeling is painful.
1: Yeah, I think um, when she's alone is when she wants to dull her senses, but then when she's, like, with people, it's when she really does want to feel something. Because I know, like, early on in the beginning of the book, she's, like, wondering, like, as she kisses Frankie, she's like, am I going to feel anything? Like, is this going to be exciting? And then she's kind of like... I don't think I do feel anything. Like she's trying to consider whether or not she does. You know, there's this. She wants that constant reaching out. Like she's trying to push out. So.
0: Um. So, what's the the, the kind of publication history of this? Was this published in America first? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And what, when was that? Um. That was in 2018. So June like
1: 2018. 2018.
0: Just last year. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then a uh, it was published
1: here. In, uh, here.
0: In in, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, did you look at it any different it's quite a short space of time I suppose between the two but I wondered um, if you looked at it differently when published a second time around and even the responses to it were they different
1: um, yeah I am actually really I feel like the response here has been so like warm and really positive um, not that it was It was very positive in the states as well um, but it's kind of interesting seeing it from a British lens because, mm-hmm. like where the book takes place, which is in um, Colorado, like Colorado Springs, it's it's rural, but it's like such a weird part of the U.S. because it's not the South, it's not really the Midwest, it's kind of the West, right. you know, but it's like it's a very weird strange, like, neutral place. Like, it's even very accent-neutral for the U.S.
0: Sounds like Falkirk in, uh, in Scotland, which is halfway between Edinburgh and Glasgow.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so... And here, I remember reading some of the reviews online um, and some of the things that um, Brits were comparing it to. They they do see... Because their perspective of the U.S. is different from mine, obviously. Mm-hmm. They do see it as very rural, almost like... Um, southern or the things that you would associate with something that is like living in the country like in no, where there's like nowhere out yeah. there except poor people and Matthews or something <laughs> you know which is you know it's not necessarily an, an inaccurate perception it's just been it's very interesting to see it that way yeah um and I was also very curious to see how there's like a chapter with a, a rave scene like with electronic music and stuff in there yeah. and I was actually very curious to see how that would be received too because I think in the U.S. until very recently electronic music culture wasn't very popular mm-hmm. Um, but here it's like always been, it seems to me that it's always mm-hmm. been popular. I mean, I watched Trainspotting when I was like a teenager and I was like, hell
0: yeah. It's Certainly, around about the time it was being uh, written <laughs> yeah. or written about. Um, so th- I was going to ask you about that because you're from Arkansas, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I think of as the South. Yeah. And I thought this kind of, it's kind of, fits into that Southern Gothic feel, that is, that's maybe my shorthand being too kind of pejorative I mean did you did you think about it fitting into any style or not at all
1: no I didn't really when I was writing it I just I wasn't thinking about any of that type of stuff I was just like writing the book um but um, I like that it's being associated with that I love I do love southern Gothic stuff I love I mean I love darker stories in general and things that sort of just show um, like gritty reality, I guess, so, Because yeah. again,
0: going back to the idea of um, a consumption, I thought there was almost um, something vampiric about the relationship, and it, I got thinking about things like Near Dark and um, True Blood and you know, things like that, where certainly these characters, you can imagine, kind of fitting into that into that uh, scene, um, which kind of leads me on a little bit to um, influences, what, what kind of influences you're writing.
1: Um, that's a good question. So what influences my writing? I really love, um, the musicality of language. I really Mm. think that, so in today's world, we, we have so much information. Like there's just, there are so many sentences, so many things that we're reading constantly every day. And I feel like I have a responsibility to make a sentence be interesting to read um and I also find myself when I do read my when I do read things not myself but I read other people's work if it's just very plain even though the content is good it's very hard for me to want to continue like I want language to surprise me and in order to do that like we have to keep getting more and more clever and so I think I'm always searching for that and that influences me a lot um and then I also learned Uh, under the tutelage of this writer, Tom Spanbauer, for a couple of years. Um, He mentored me while I was writing this novel. I've always been a fan of his work. Um, And he has, like, sort of his own set of guidelines in terms of, like, how to bring forth, like, the emotional experience out of a work. Um, So I'd say that influences me, too. It's really, like, my goal is... How is like emotional transference? Like when I'm constructing a scene, I'm thinking, how can I make you? I have a feeling in my mind, and it's like an atmosphere, right? And then I'm like, how can I like inject that atmosphere into another person? Mm-hmm. So
0: that just makes complete sense. Having read it, I mean, I thought with the language in particular, here's a writer who really cares about how language is used and how the sentence is 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 read. And um, as I say right from the beginning, you're taken into, um, it's not just being transformed into another world or anything like that, it's taken into a a mindset, and it's one which um, I think everyone will be able to relate to, but I don't think you can do that unless you get the language of it right. Mm -hmm. Um, And are there other influences outside of writers that... uh, feed into
1: writing that's a good question too yeah I love the filmmaker Harmony Corinne. oh yeah he made this movie Gummo mm-hmm. which like um, which I saw when I was really young and I've just been obsessed with for so long um, and he wrote Kids which I know is like really controversial um, he has a way of stringing together those atmospheric images that really create a narrative and I think about that a lot when I am writing um, so I say he's a big influence. Um, there's so many things; it's hard yeah, to list because you're, it is, you're, cause you're like, like, what all do I consume? I feel no, like I just, everything that I consume kind of influences me in some way.
0: I, I think um, film's interesting because I could see the, the this is in some ways um, something that could be well could it be put on film? Is that something that you considered?
1: Um, I mean, like the characters I would are love strong that. Off,
0: you know, absolutely. Yeah,
1: I would love that. But I, I I've thought about it. I'm like, I don't know how, how, yeah. I, how. I would do. it. But I'm also not. I'm not a screenplay writer or like a, a film person, so I don't have like the vision for it.
0: But yeah, it's a different um, thing. I'm supposed to. Do.
1: Yeah, but it would be cool.
0: Yeah, it definitely <laughs> would be cool. It'd be amazing. Um, so you're over for the Edinburgh a uh, book festival. Are have you done many festivals before?
1: No, this is my first. Um, okay. Last year I did a very short tour. Um, I'm a new like I'm a new mom. my toddler's almost two now, but at the time she was like still very young. so I did a book release in New York City and then um, a book release in Denver, which is where my family mm-hmm. lives. Um, so it's like very short, you know, but I've done a lot of readings and stuff um, but it's been kind of different. I think, here at the festival and the things I've been doing, it's mostly lots of interviews mm-hmm. and less readings. Yeah. Whereas I'm used to doing just a lot of readings and then running away. You know. <laughs> you know. Yeah.
0: It's amazing how different writers. Um. I, I did an event last year where the writer hated doing reading his own work, so he got an actor to send in to, uh, to so read funny. it. Within. Yeah. Um. So you, you quite enjoy these things. You quite enjoy the events. You say you're reading and run away, but like. Something like this? Is this like going, oh, no, I wish I wasn't doing
1: this? Well, I have a hard time being in front of an audience of people, Uh, so that worries me. I just kind of like to hide. But I love having conversations with people, so that part isn't hard at all. Um, Though it has been weird to talk about the book for so long. (laughs) I'm kind of wondering if after this, if I'll keep talking about it. Um, But, no, it's been really good. I, I just, I love the conversational aspect of that, so...
2: Yeah We'll
0: talk
1: about writing
0: I guess that's one of the things You, you kind of get to a stage Where you've probably said everything that you think you want to say about a book or something like that.
1: Kind of. It's more like I'm ready to think about the next book a lot more too, you know.
0: Okay. Um, Well, let's think about that. (laughs) 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 Um, Have you got something else that you're writing or have written that you can talk about, of course?
1: Um, Yeah, I'm on the second draft. Well, actually, so I'm on the second draft of another book, but I don't want to talk
0: about it. No, that's that's nice, No, no, I understand completely.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I don't want to, like take the magic out of it. You know, when you have energy and you're like, I don't want to dispel it yet, so...
0: So, do, I mean, is it just um, writing fiction that you do or do you write other things as well? Do you write poetry, for instance?
1: Um, you know, I used to... That's how I started writing, was yeah. poetry. Um, when I was, like, an angsty teenager, I had, like, a Diary Land diary online and then, like, a live journal. And I would come home, like, every day from school and write my sad poems and stuff. Um, and then I wanted to go to school for creative writing, but I know my, that my dad was like, that doesn't make money. So I went to school for journalism. <laughs> yeah. Um, which then, when I graduated, and I kind of, like, forgot about creative writing for a while. Like, I did a little prose here and there. When I graduated, the newspaper industry in Denver had collapsed mm. because of Facebook and stuff. So then I went into like PR and marketing. And then somehow I circled back to fiction. Well, I'd never written fiction, actually. I think I had tried a couple yeah. times and it failed. But then I was like thinking about it and I was like, okay, some of my favorite novelists, they didn't write their first novels until they were like 30 or they got them published when they were like 30. And I was like, okay, I'm in my mid-20s. Maybe I should start trying to do that. And I used to want to write nonfiction. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to, like, travel around the U.S. and do investigative journalism and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know why. I just don't have an interest in that anymore. Once yeah. I started getting into fiction, it was like... Um, it's funny, because when I started getting into fiction, I was like, this too hard just making shit up. Like, how do people do that? <laughs> but now I can't do anything else, you know? And, like, the idea of kind of writing nonfiction isn't as enticing to me because I love the art of fiction so much. There's so much more freedom, mm-hmm. I think. So... So I think I'm just going to stick with fiction. That was my long-winded... Sit-
0: <laughs> I think I'm just
1: going to stick with fiction for now.
0: So, uh, and you don't have a time frame for the next book, it's just at the moment it's in draft stage and...
1: Yeah, I'm hoping hoping by 2021 maybe there would be like an announcement but it's all dependent on um like how much editing it needs what my agent says and if and when like a publisher would pick it up and that sort of thing so but I feel energetic enough to really like I want to get it yeah yeah
0: and um how have you found the and I'm aware your publisher is in the room how have you found the difference between being published in America and published in the UK
1: like the experience with the publisher. Yeah. Well, I love my publisher. <laughs> okay, I've actually found it to be a lot more, um, a lot more supportive and positive. Honestly, it's been really great, um, and that's pretty much it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I, there's such different markets, I guess, because yeah. you know America is. Is that how it's done? Is it you go for the American market or is it? Areas, uh, I mean, what's the
1: that's a good question. So, I know my US publisher has like uh, like Publishers Group West uh, distribution, and so as far as I know, and I'm not sure what their marketing plan was, there wasn't really too much. I like filled out a questionnaire once and then um, that was kind of it, but they're a pretty small publisher too, so I just don't know if they had like the marketing team to really like push anything. Um, but it was kind of, it seemed all over. I got, um, uh, a, a mention in the June copy of Oprah magazine. Oh, wow. So that was pretty cool. Um, and that's sort of, that's pretty national. Um, but, um, otherwise, um, I'm not sure, like, how different it is. My thought, like, as I'm approaching it, it's kind of, like, interesting because the UK is such a smaller market. It seems like in order to... For people to really hear your book, there's less distance to travel. Does that make sense? Because there's simply just less people. Like, America is so huge, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I was thinking, but then I I suddenly thought, well, it is so huge if people kind of break it down into smaller areas. And you said you did um, a reading in New York. Mm -hmm. And what was that kind of experience like? Is it, like, we're talking bookstore or, you know, what?
1: Yeah, it was, um, this is a little bookstore in Brooklyn, um, and I did... A launch, like I did, like, a reading with um, two other writers, um, whom I admire, and um, we had a pretty good turnout. I think it was, like, 20 to 30 people, which to me is pretty great for not really knowing anyone in New York City, um, and it was good. I would definitely, like, you know, go back and visit again.
0: And um, have you any preconceptions of the Edinburgh Book Festival? Have you ever heard of it before? You know, we think, you know, it's the biggest, um, f- you know, festival around, but of course it's still in um, Edinburgh.
1: Well, I actually hadn't, but I think that's just partly because I, um, I'm really, i really... I don't know a lot. Like, there are so many book festivals yeah, and stuff like that, especially in the US, um, and I always feel like I don't know about anything like that. Um, but when I was invited and I did research, I felt... Um, pretty excited because I think it is pretty much like the biggest book festival in the world, like it literally is the biggest. Mm. Uh, so that feels like a pretty good sort of like notch in my belt, I guess, yeah. Absolutely.
0: So, as if by magic, we are joined by Laura from 404 Inc and I just wanted to ask you, why did you decide that you were going to um, uh, publish L in Scotland?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, it was a bit of a whirlwind experience, I think, for us because we were starting to realise, hey, we're doing pretty well. We could look internationally. It doesn't just have to be Scotland, and that we kind of started out with that hope of, of looking outwards and not just inwards. Um, so we started looking at uh, the publishers, Publishers Weekly. Um, so it's like a, kind of an American publication of books you should look out for that has you know rights available for people to buy, um, and the very first one that we saw. Um, animals eat each other was in there um, and we thought, and we saw the like, little synopsis mm-hmm. and we thought that sounds just like something that we would read ourselves personally and publish and we don't think we'd heard of anything quite like it being published in Scotland so we thought let's take a punt, let's ask to see the book. They sent it pretty quickly, I think they were quite excited by um, the attention that that little article had got and... Um, At the time, we had a publishing assistant, Mika. She read it and raved about it hugely, Um, which is very handy. So she said to me and Heather, you have to read this. So uh, we were actually traveling from London back up to Edinburgh, and uh, Heather had read most of it by that. She'd actually read it, I think, on the flight down. We were getting the train back up. So she read it down and said, this is great, you have to read it. And I read it all the way on the train, up, in one very stressful, Mm -hmm. (laughs) consuming, all-consuming... Um, like four or five hours, and 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 yeah, we just kind of looked at each other and said, "Right, I guess we're going to put in an offer for this." Having never done a rights deal before, so yeah, we had yeah. no idea, like, you know, the, the the boring logistics that nobody cares about. But publishers are like, "How much money do you offer for this? Mm. and How do you do this professionally? I don't know." Um, but the thing that really attracted us was again, like I said, it's just something like we we'd never written, uh, never uh, read before, and. I th- I feel like we kept I kept coming to like this is just a more modern and better catcher in the rye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From a female perspective, obviously, yeah. it's totally different. But I just kept getting that feeling like I, I would have loved to have read this in school. Actually, might be it might be a bit too intense to actually be on any kind of curriculum. <laughs> but yeah, that would be a
0: progressive school. Yeah. That's stuff
2: like sex ed, kind of yeah. <laughs> outside of the outside of the box. But yeah, we were so yeah, just so excited by and. Um, uh, but yeah, we wanted to try our hand at saying right. We know this this would have worked in, in America, so let's see if we can get this a similar kind of audience mm-hmm. um, in the UK. And I think we have. I think we've done done pretty well. Absolutely. I think the people have been really the people have been excited about it. Been really excited about it, and that's that's what we wanted.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, just to finish it off, Elle, how what kind of readership has it found?
1: Um, I feel like it's been sort of. Uh, Everyone I've heard from, like, all people from, like, all different walks of life. Um, One thing that I have noticed, though, is, like, on Instagram I'll get messages from people who have read the book, and a lot of them tend to be, like, young and um, queer um, or just, like, not not straight identifying and they tell me like how much they love it and I feel like that's probably the best part is being able to like hear from people who are like I love this like I loved reading about the way this relationship was represented and stuff like that so
0: because I think Laura's right I think um for a young person I mean we all read books that went on the curriculum that changed our lives I'm sure Mm -hmm. um and I think if uh, for a young person reading this it would be um it would be one of those books, like for some catch in the rye or for some on the road or whatever, or train spotting or whatever, that would just kind of change not just your, your view of the world but your view of yourself, because I think that's how powerful it is. Um, I think that's the perfect place to leave it. So thank you, Elle. Thank you. And thank you, Laura. And mm-hmm. uh, we'll be back soon with someone completely different. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>